Welcome to the Writer's Block Party Podcast with your hosts Meredith Bond and Prue Warren, where they discuss every aspect of a writer's life, from the craft of writing and editing, through publishing and marketing, and finally into building a global publishing empire. Here is Mary and Prue. Hi, welcome to the Writer's Block Party Podcast. We're very excited that you, dear listener, are here today. I had, oh, I'm sorry, introductions first. Uh, uh, I'm Prue Warren, and I'm with... Meredith Bond. Prue knows a little, and Meredith knows a lot. That is our roles. I had an email from a friend of mine who I didn't know was a listener. So I want to say hey to Randy Goldleaf, who said that she really enjoyed the rom-com description discussion oh, hi randy <laughs> she should meet glory our listeners <laughs> uh, oh and brenda <laughs> and brenda and bcd that's exactly right god Ooh, three listeners that we know of um <laughs> meredith today we're going to talk about something that glory and randy and bc i'm sure confront as much as i do which is writer's block <sighs> How to handle how to handle when you just can't when you just can't get a word down. It is such a problem, especially in these wonderful times that we are living through. (laughs) When everything is so calm and cheery. So calm and cheery, and we are all just living our ordinary lives. And people are coming to each other. I like this bizarro world we're discussing. Let's go there. The weather is always sunny and pleasant. What is it? And and the the children are all above average. Right. <laughs> the the women are all beautiful. The men are good looking, and the children are all above average. <laughs> all right. So, so this is you, girl. I don't know anything about writer's block. Tell me how how to handle it. Oh, there are so many ways to handle writer's block because there are many different. Um, causes of writer's block. So if what the problem is, is that you are suffering from what we all have been taught recently about languishing, which is not depression, but it's a brain freeze, brain fog. And, and it, 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 we call this languishing? It's called languishing. There was a fantastic article in the New York Times, oh, like in May, I think it was, or June, uh, called, I think the title of the article was, What You're Suffering From is Languishing. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. Um, And I don't have the, the author's name directly in front of me, but what it was is this this author, this concept is that we have all been dealing with so much for the past two years, for the past year and a half or so. Really? That um, we just, we can't deal with it any longer. Basically. As, our, as, as we are recording this, hopefully when this airs in two weeks, the world will be better, but we've just had 
uh, voter restriction laws in, in Texas and uh, sort of the end of Roe v. Wade and incredible wildfires and flooding and just it's today is a day to languish. I mean, there's just no more that I can hold on to emotionally. Exactly. And not only that, but people are suffering from having lost loved ones, Mm -hmm. from being sick themselves, from having lost their autonomy because their children have been home, because their spouse has been home. Our lives are upended and we are mourning that. Yep. That's right. That's right. So, so what what I'm hoping you're going to say is the first thing is to be kind to yourself. Absolutely. 100%. Don't just be kind to yourself. Be fantastic to yourself because you deserve it. (laughs) All right. Well, I don't know. I don't know what comes next, but I would like to point out because this, this is my problem that there is a very thin line between being kind to yourself and being self-destructive. Because to me, being kind to myself means let's go have some ice cream. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. That's true. I, I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I don't gamble. I don't, you know, seek out prostitution rings. I don't do any of that. What I do is and dazs peanut butter and chocolate, and it's bad for me, right? So, um, yeah. So there's, but, there is a thin line between be kind to yourself and watch out. Well, but you don't have to be kind to yourself and, and eat an entire pint every single day. <laughs> you, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. My downfall is French fries. And oh, right. I can tell you that where I have moved to, there is a a little kiosk about three blocks away down the hill that serves fresh, hot French fries. Okay. A A French fry kiosk? A French fry kiosk. (laughs) And you know that I have been there a number of times and they are already getting to know me. (laughs) They're already getting to know you. My God, a French fry kiosk. (laughs) I'm really entertained by that concept. Somehow that's got to make a book somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) okay i interrupted you with my with my aside on uh no that's fine i i i went with it um no so (laughs) no so yeah be kind to yourself but but yes don't overdo it that is everything in moderation (laughs) yeah that's hard yes it is but the other way to be kind to yourself is to go for a walk. That's true. And that will um, hopefully negate that pint of ice cream that you were just that you were just enjoying, or my French fries. Um, going for a walk at the beach, if you have one not too far from you, in a forest, if you have one not too far from you, getting out into nature is extremely revitalizing. Nature will refill that that emotional well and that creative well. And it will allow you to get back to work if you haven't been able to get those words out. 
I think that that is a really interesting, uh, a really interesting take on it because where I thought you were going was take a walk because it quiets the inner critic, as we discussed with it Grace Burroughs. Absolutely. If you, if you can calm down your inner critic, um, often creativity will flow. But what you're saying is it's not just the exercise itself. It's the opportunity to be outside and breathing non-air-conditioned air. Right. It is. And, and it's good for your brain to stop looking at a screen two feet from your face and take the long vista and look and around you and just allow your head and your eyes to take a break and to rest. Well, that that's, I think that's an important point because I know plenty of people who would say I wouldn't have writer's block if I was at a beach within, (laughs) (laughs) I don't have time to go out and take a walk. I don't live near a beach and that's why I'm all unhappy. Um, But if it's simply a matter of of the law, literally physically looking a longer distance than the screen in front of you, that's a really interesting, that's a really interesting idea. Yeah. You could do that in the middle of a city. You could do that. You could do that anywhere. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and also if the only place you have to go to take a walk is your neighborhood, that's fine. It's still giving you a change of scenery. Mm-hmm. It's still giving you some exercise, some fresh air. It's getting that blood pumping and moving through your body, which it kind of, you know, you kind of stagnate sitting there at your desk or or on your sofa or wherever you work. I'm just thinking that I, I, don't, I don't mean to be such a, a naysayer, but I, I'm, I'm in Northern Virginia at the, you know, at the, at the middle of September, it's like, it is molasses outside. Don't go out there. <laughs> Don't go out there. But I love the idea of be somewhere where your eyes and your brain are seeing something different. Yes. I suppose you could get the same effect if you went to the local mall and walked around in air conditioned air, just because now you're looking hundreds of feet away instead of eight inches to the screen. Right. And if the weather outside is not conducive to going outside and and getting that change of scenery, try moving yourself to a different room. Try moving your furniture around. Try shifting the pictures to a different place on your walls. Wow, that's cool. The point is to get a change of scenery to not be staring at exactly the same thing the entire, all the time. Getting that change of scenery will help stimulate your brain as well. I like that theory. Yeah, I find that that's a very entertaining idea because you're not just redecorating, you're giving your brain an opportunity to think differently. Exactly. That's cool. Oh, A plus. I love it. Good. Um, If the brain fog is not the problem that is stopping you from writing. Mm-hmm. It's quite possible that the problem is your writing itself, your story. It's quite possible that you have just gotten stuck in your story and you don't know what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. Or you're not quite sure that your characters 
are behaving the way they should behave or they're they are not talking to you just at the moment they they have shut up and if that is the case that your characters have just stopped talking to you then you need to talk to them and you need to explore who they are so filling out a character worksheet or if you're not into worksheets talking t- interviewing your characters which you can either do vocally verbally um by role playing with somebody else and having them ask you standing in for your character questions or sitting down and writing out an interview where you have your list of questions and you again once again you are role playing you are becoming your character you need to think about where they are in their life who they are what their experiences have been and you answer the questions as if they would as if you were them as they would have give me give me just as an example give me five questions uh, if i were interviewing you as one of your characters what are five questions i could ask you because if someone is writing and is in writer's block and they're not even comfortable enough to go to someone else and say okay let's role play right uh-huh. right can can you say five questions that would help to unlock uh, an imaginary interview um first of all i would say how is your childhood ah Tell me about your childhood. What a classic! Yes, absolutely. Um, do you have? Was there one point in your life that hurt you, where you were hurt? What is your wound? And because of that wound, how do you see the world? I mean, I'm writing. Wound- put this in the show notes. Oh, sure. And I'm totally making this up off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. Um, But knowing what your character's wound is, is so vitally important because it colors everything that they do and it colors the conflict that they they are facing in the story. What about um, something like, who was your best friend growing up or, or, I mean, or how did you get along with your parents? How'd you get along? Did you get along with your parents? Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you are writing a romance, you might ask what sort of past relationships have you had and how did they end or, and what was the best thing in those relationships? Yep. Uh, Yep. Yep. You might um, ask them about what they want now and why. And, you know, we do the goal, motivation, and conflict, but actually asking your character to explain it to you can be very different than an author sitting down and say, okay, John wants this because that. Instead, ask John, why do you want this? What is it? that's going through your mind and through your heart that makes you want that so badly because you, he has to need it really badly, right? In order for him to strive for it through the story. So delve into why he needs this goal, why he, it's so important to him that he get it, that he attains it. 
so this interview we really is very different from killing out filling out a character sheet that says uh you know what's your favorite color or or there was a speaker at washington romance writers who did something about what would your character do if all the hot water was gone and they wanted a shower i mean what is what is their reaction how do they handle it but that's not yeah. what you're talking about. you're talking about something that is far more specifically geared to the obstacle that the writer is confronting to getting from chapter 22 to chapter 23. Exactly. That's very interesting. That's a very interesting idea. And, uh, and it helps you not just to get from chapter 22 to 23, but chapter 22 to the end of the book. Right, 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 because right. Because that character has to attain those goals. And that's possible for plotters as well as pantsers too, because you can plot out a story and find that it's not working. Yeah, absolutely. I always found in my in my previous life as a fundraising copywriter that when I was confronting a job I didn't want to write, it was because I had not yet found the emotional core of the reason why I wanted somebody to <clears throat> give money, sign a petition, do whatever it was that the goal was. Mm -hmm. So for me, when I have any form of writer's block, I pretty much always assume that it's not a lack of creativity. It's a lack of um, clarity that I right. don't really know why a character would do that. And I, and until I figure out why they would do that, it's always going to be uh, a tough slog. It's never going to flow easily. Right. So right. this would be the way to find out. Why would you do that? Why, why must my character enter that room now? And it comes back to explain your goal and why do you need it? Right. And how are you going to get there? Right. Interview your, interview your character. Mm -hmm. I think that's really okay. Um, sometimes we're just not sure what the story is about. We can get, we can get halfway through a book and not really know what the story is about. Or not discover what the story is about until you're, excuse me, until you're halfway through and then not want to confront rewriting the first half to match what you just realized. Yeah. <laughs> Could be. So, so sometimes for people who are facing writer's block, they have all sorts of fantastic ideas. They know what their characters should be doing. But it's just, it's not flowing. Mm -hmm. It's not happening. Mm -hmm. And when that's the case, what you want to do is just write. We can write anything. You can write a laundry list. You can write the grocery list. You can, can write what you ate for dinner every single night last week. But just getting and into the flow of writing, physically writing or, or typing, whichever is more comfortable for you. That helps. And then when you're feeling comfortable, then you can start writing. Well, the story is about John and when he met Suzanne. And you start telling yourself the story. And you can do this either longhand, which I like to do because I like the physical act of writing. Or you can type it out. Or if you are a more verbal person, you can um dictate actually it. tell it yeah dictate it to your phone 
And then, of course, you can combine if you're into dictating, if you like dictating and that works for you, then you can combine that with your walk. And you can put your phone up to your ear as if you were talking to somebody and <laughs> dictate your story and nobody will know that you're not talking to anybody <laughs> but yourself. <laughs> So just, but telling yourself the story, however is most comfortable for you, just telling yourself what the story is will help. And for me, I will almost always, I will pre-write what the scene, my, the next scene is that I'm going to write. And nine times out of 10, I will start writing in expos expository writing and it will shift into dialogue. And from there, it will shift into actually writing the book. Mm, and just like that. What did you say to me? Bef just before you hit record, you told me what, what your job today is. <laughs> yes. What does it say in your, in your, in your description? <laughs> in my detailed notes that I wrote to myself, I, I have my, my list of scenes and in the scene that I am supposed to be writing today, uh, my hero and heroine play chess and they engage in witty banter. <laughs> and that's all that I have, right? Witty banter. Well, what the hell am I going to write? <laughs> I don't know what they're talking about. They're playing chess. So how will you honestly begin that? Will you take a walk? Will you just start writing? Actually, what I will probably do is I will write out where they are mentally in the story right now. Mm -hmm. So that I can, and, and I will try, try and do it from the point of view of the, the point of view character for this scene. So Anthony is currently... He's trying to write a book. He's trying to deal with his mother. He's trying to deal with this princess who he's been assigned to help. He can't decide whether he likes her or not because she's flipping back and forth between being a stuck-up, spoiled brat and being this incredibly smart, intelligent, learned person who he really likes and admires. <laughs> And he can't figure her out. And there she is playing chess by herself when he walks into the library. Oh, wow. And so I have to think about what it is that he would say to her and, yeah. and go from there. Nice. Nice. Right? That's a nice, it's a nice image that she's playing chess because it tells him she's pretty intellectual for a stuck up little brat. Exactly. Nice. And that confuses the hell out of him, but he likes it. Um, so you will, you're going to, at this point, you don't have writer's block. You're going to leap in with both feet. I am going to try. <laughs> That's all I can say. I will sit down. I will put my, another tool that I use is to put my headphones on and put on music. I like to listen to Brain FM. Which is what? Is it classical or something? No. Brain.fm is very funky. It is um, scientifically proven uh, instrumental music that engages your brain waves. Come on. What do you mean? Seriously. 
Look it up. They have a paper about it, a white paper about it on their on their website. They have music that has certain uh, rhythmic tone to it. No matter what type, you can choose all sorts of different types of music, classical or electronica or movie music, movie soundtracks or whatever. And it has sort of waves to it. And your brain sort of attunes itself to these waves and it makes you focus. Tell me the name. Tell me, tell me again how to find it. It's brain.fm. Just go onto the internet and, and type in brain.fm and you will find it. I'll post it in the show. Yeah, it's fantastic. I have tried, there are a couple of other websites that do something similar, but they don't do it as well. That's um, wild. And do you pay for this? Yes, I pay an annual subscription. It's about $50, $55, something like that. Okay. But you can try it out for free for like a week or two. Okay. All right. And I'll write they down. say put in headphones or put on headphones because you want that sound all-encompassing. Mm-hmm. And you put it on and you start to work and your brain just tunes out the sound. And it makes you, it helps you focus. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> I myself am a big fan of the background noise. Yeah. I like, I, I'm always writing with music on. Yeah. And I'm lots always. of people like to go to like a cafe so that they have just that noise right. in the background. On Brain FM, you can also choose different noises if you want. You can choose like a coffee house or rain or water or whatever so whatever helps that's pretty wild well that's it's uh, that's interesting that they have this white paper on how the brain responds to this kind of noise because a lot of attempts to overcome um writer's block is an attempt to ease the brain into getting back to a creative mode yes Absolutely. And so a particularly effective way to do it. If you're a sound oriented person. Exactly. Exactly. For people who are more visual, collaging their book helps. Oh, you're kidding. Really? Like cut out magazines? Yeah, exactly. Cutting out magazines. That looks to me not like a brain. Wow. Okay, I'm now going to be judgmental and say that if that's your way of avoiding writer's block, you're just avoiding writing. (laughs) That's what I think. Well, it could be. Or if you are a very visual person and you need to see something in order to write it, then finding pictures of living rooms where the story will take place, of outdoor spaces where your story takes place, of actors or models who are what your characters look like, having that sort of stimulation and that visual help will allow you to get writing. I'm fine. That's okay. That's I'm changing my mind a little bit because like when you said you find the picture of a living room where this scene might take place, I mean, that's a rabbit hole. You could go down a serious rabbit hole looking for just the right living room. You could. But if you found one and you could sort of project yourself into it, now you have a much clearer picture of where the scene happens. 
Exactly. I still think, I still think, I still think rabbit hole, but it is, it is, but it's also helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Because not everybody, not everybody has a brain that wants to be stimulated by brain FM. That's a, it's a very interesting idea. I wonder if there are other senses. I mean, if you were scent based or touch based or taste based, if you had had a meal like Regency England, I don't know. That's interesting though. Um, Okay. I'm with you. And if you're writing a scene and it's just not working and you're Mm -hmm. stuck, try writing it from a different point of view. Nice. Write it. You know, if if you're writing it from John's point of view, try writing it from Paul's point of view. And Paul is just sitting there doing his own thing. He doesn't have a stake in the game. Or or the neighborhood kid who's looking in the window or the butler or or Suzanne, who who is arguing with him. Right. Right. But it does have a stake. It doesn't have, I think if it was an exercise to end writer's block, it would not have to be a major character in the scene who you think is going to end up in the book. But if you're really stuck, if you're really stuck, have it be. It could be a fly on the wall. Have it be the dog, right? Who could at least get you through the blocking the scene and who said what? And then you can take that and go back and reframe it in the point of view of the character who's most affected by the scene. That's a cool idea. That'd be a fun exercise. Yeah. Or also writing it from the point of view of the other major player in the scene. Okay. Because right. then you you get their point of view as right. well. Right. Right. And that would make, but I like the exercise of doing it from, you know, Santa Claus leaning down the chimney <laughs> going, oh, you're nice. I'm not sure yet. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. Um, and of course, finally, the the last way to get past writer's block is to work with a book coach who will go through all of these things with you and listen to you and talk to you and find out what the problem is if you can't figure it out on your own. And who might be, for example, a book coach? Oh, gosh, I don't know, Prue. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what's your... What's your- how does someone access your website to find about your services as a, as a book coach? Oh, it's super easy. You just go to meredithbond.com and then uh, there's a menu along the top and there's one that says for writers and there's a drop down that says book coaching. Just like that. It's just that just easy. Like that. Just that easy. Because sometimes you just need to talk to somebody who understands what you're going through. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Here's my, here's my only addition to the conversation is that when I am clogged up, uh, and as I said before, it's usually because I don't understand what the goal is. I, there's something about the scene or the book or the story or the fundraising letter that I don't understand or that I disagree with or that's not working out right. My best, my best advice is commit to writing a really shitty chapter. Oh, yeah. Com- commit to writing badly. And for me, you know, two pages in, suddenly I'm like, oh, guess what? Here's the real, here's the real beginning. Here it is. I found it. So if you, if you remove the expectations that you've put on yourself, you may find you've written something that you're very proud of. Absolutely. 
I agree 100%. And once again, hypnagogic and hypnopompic. The time <laughs> or when your inner critic is quietest, maybe after you exercise because you're physically tired, or it may be just when you're going to sleep, which is the hypnagogic state, or the time when you're waking up, which is hypnopompic. <laughs> yes, I'm going to license those terms. I love them so much. <laughs> And those are times when maybe the reason you're not writing well is quieter. Yeah. So be sometimes just finding the right time when your creativity is at its peak. And it's true. Some of us don't have the luxury to do that because the kids are screaming or right. the dog needs to go out or whatever, but attempt do the best you can to write when you are at at your most productive right right that's brilliant um meredith next week you and i are going to review what i'm doing to market my books as i as i approach this blitz of three books in three months and i can't wait to hear all that you are doing well you know i'm sure it would be more interesting if i had results but onward. Fuck it. Here we go. <laughs> All right. So thank you very much for helping me with my writer's block, which I actually don't have at the moment, but you've given me some really good ideas. Thank you. Absolutely. And these are tips that you can use even if you are not suffering from writer's block just to keep you moving forward. I love the plan. I love it. Yep. All right, Meredith, I'll talk to you next week. That's it for the Writer's Block Party this week. We don't want you getting so drunk on knowledge that you can't drive your laptop safely. But next week we'll be here before you know it, so check out the website at thewritersblockpartypodcast.com. One word. That's where you can find our archive of past podcasts and a place where you can get in touch with Mary and Prue or ask questions for the next podcast. Write with joy, friends, and see you next week. Bye.